Welcome back to When God Was Queer. I'm your host, Dakota St. Clair, and I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts. I'm Vince Vance. And I'm Daphne Malfitano. You're goddamn right. And we are here. (laughs) I'm just trying to affirm your decision and proclamation of your name um, because it was a little bit troublesome for you last episode. It's always troublesome. I get it. It always just sounds like it's it's somebody calling me to the principal's office. Like, I don't understand. So, yeah, so basically, welcome to When God Was Queer. This is our sixth episode, if you can fucking believe Six. it. Wow. Um, and so we are taking you down to the ocean. Um, wow, going that was... swimming. We're going yeah. swimming. <laughs> it just made me think of that fucking, like, mid-2000s super, like, gay club song. I think it's time that we go down to the pool. <laughs> it's like, uh, 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 uh. it was just, it's a good song. Um, yeah, I thought you were talking about the Vanga Boys for a second. No. I will always talk about the Vanga Boys. <laughs> the unsung heroes of the fucking late 90s and early 2000s. I sang that. I, I made a reference to the Vanga Boys to somebody recently, and they didn't know what I was talking about. And I realized that we're old. Do you mean friend of the podcast, the Vanga Boys? Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yes, the friend of the podcast, the Vanga boys they're gonna pick us up in that venga bus and take us down to the pool i think also either this person i mean it's quite possible this person just doesn't spend time on the internet either no i think they're just like 25 i I really think they just they put the that was big meme culture like a few well they're not good at memes and they don't or maybe they have heard the name but they don't get the what a wretched existence yeah it made me very sad to be both not good at memes and also 25 where's your joy (laughs) i don't know i have no idea um i just know that i love the gen z kids i think that they're really doing it out here um and then sometimes they do the most uh like come for (laughs) us as like millennials and i'm like we don't have any power to do anything. Go away. You know, like, you're mad that we have skinny jeans and center parts. You should be mad that fucking credit scores didn't exist until 1989. Yeah, yeah, we were exactly. born then. We didn't do that. Yeah, so, that, was not, that was not us. Not no. Us, not us. Jesus. And fucking, we also didn't make any of the decisions to put, like, bright neon food coloring in, like, 80% of the food you get at the grocery no, store. No, not, not at all. Not also, you're, like, the first generation who got to eat, like, organic food. We were, like, we mutants that, that went through puberty <laughs> at 10 and had, like, a full rack walking around, like, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. Um, no, but I, I love the Gen Bless Z them. kids. I think Whatever. they're great. Yeah. I have a very deep appreciation for them because of TikTok, and I just love how many Gen Z kids are, like, getting radicalized because of TikTok and, like, Mm -hmm. really finding out, like, wow, America ain't shit. Like, we're really... (laughs) We're really not on top of it, are we? It's like really, it's good. Um, it's access to information at light speed that like no one's ever really had before. We did not so, think about that at that age yet. N- you know, same, like to the same depth that they did. Well, I think we did, but we were still very well, we like piece it together. We were still least. pinned to America, though. We didn't have yeah. such a broad and immediate and easily consumable access to people all over the world telling their stories. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we knew shit was fucked up, but we didn't know what to do about it or how well, to, how to well, do anything. That and I was also raised during multiculturalism. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. there is a big soft spot in terms of like media 
<laughs> a, a, a like media portrayal of America. Because uh, at the time it was like everyone's a different color We're and jazz friends. and hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's I think it's wild. It's so funny. I actually really think that like millennial is a really bad term that doesn't have very good function because i think people who were born the year i was born or the year before or the year after are our own sub generation because i was 10 the bush years were when i was 10 to 18 and literally like to yeah, me at different. 10 you start like <laughs> kind of really forming your own identity you're not just like a little kid that's like wow like running all over you're I like think we actually, might be the same age are we what year were you born 86 89 oh no then you couldn't have been 10 to 9 when was 9-11? How old were you? I was like 13 or 14. No, I was 14. I was either 10 or 11. Oh, I was, yeah, you were young. Yeah, um, I think I was 11. Sure I was in like kindergarten when Bush got elected the first time. Yeah, so it's just wild because like just, you know, having it basically be like turn 10, Y2K, turn 11, 9-11. Oh, yeah. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, and it just starts from there. And you're like, wow, nothing ever gets better. This, this is, is great. Yeah. Which is why I think it was so devastating when Trump won, because like, basically, you know, I turned 18 and immediately got to vote in my first election and I voted for Obama and then I voted for Obama again. And then the third time I voted, it was like I was at a party on the election night and all of us were like, yeah, it's, you know, we can't wait until this is over. And it kind of sucks we had to vote for Hillary, but like, whatever. And then basically it was like this situation where we couldn't believe that there was a possibility that she would lose. Mm -hmm. Because both times with Obama, it had been up to the voting. It was like clinched. It was like everybody was really tense, didn't know what was going to happen. And then it pulled out in the end anyway. So it was like, okay, yeah. fine, we're good, you know? So like we had this like unshakable faith walking in like, oh, it can't happen. There's no way. There's no way. And then it was just like this immense kind of devastation so speaking of devastation poseidon visits floods upon those he doesn't like <laughs> earth shaker anyway so yeah today we're talking about poseidon 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 we have our sort of like bullet pointed list of things to hit on each god and so we'll start with origins now according to most accounts poseidon was the second born son of the titans Kronos and rhea and like his other siblings which were the first six olympians he was swallowed whole by Kronos and would later be liberated by zeus interestingly and many people don't know this there are actually a few rare versions of this story where actually both he and zeus are saved by rhea from being devoured by their father oh. they're, they're they're sort of spirited away and like sequestered but separately and in this version poseidon is hidden away among a flock of sheep and rhea hands Kronos <laughs> a young colt like a young horse that what, okay. what the fuck? <laughs> Wait, okay. saying that she gave birth so here, to a horse gotta, and instead of a normal, rock, which was kind of no, normal no, no, at no. these times. We gotta hold on because one, the cloven foot animals taking care they of they are doing like, everything. Being, yeah. Like really, you said this, but the cloven foot nannies amongst the Greek pantheon is outrageous. They are child protective services. They're really um, just taking the. Baby I'm telling out. you, they need to unionize yeah. cloves yeah. and claws. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Two. The horse thing. Like, we gotta, we gotta figure out a line for the horse thing beside me. I feel like, like, you know when you look at, like, and I love this, you know when you look at bad taxidermy? Like, when people didn't know what animals, that yes. were an exotic yes. animal. Like, I feel like the version of that that's in the Greek mythology is, like, the where horses fall in society. Yeah. Like, like, yes. horses, like the understanding of, like, where do horses, what are horses' purpose? It's very this confused. Is, They're, they show up in the weirdest places. Yeah. Truly living and dying in the 
bit. Like, yeah. <laughs> like utter allegiance to a brand. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. I mean, so basically, this was actually meant to explain his strength and also his longstanding tie with horses. And so you're like, well, why is the ocean god tied to horses? I don't understand. Which actually I'm going to break down for you shortly. Uh, but first, let's talk about how he's depicted. He's depicted as daddy. He's a mature oh. man with a sturdy build and a dark beard holding a trident. And that's basically it. He's Sometimes he's in a chariot with his like special horsey boys. Or he's like, you know, standing among the waves or he's emerging from the ocean. The important thing to remember is he has legs. I know that Disney told you otherwise, <laughs> but he has legs. He's just man-shaped. So now we talk about, like, where where you've heard of them. What's your first experience with Poseidon, your first memory? What's been your general overall take on Poseidon? I mean, so I... For a Maybe pre-horse time... talk. Before, yeah. before I threw that at you guys, and you were like, what the actual fuck? It's just very odd. I just have had a complicated relationship with water pretty much my whole life. So I was never on, like... Yay, let's look up more about Poseidon kind of terms. Mm. I think, honestly, I was more interested when I found out about the horse thing. And I didn't even know that much about it. It was just that he was associated with horses. And I was like, why, though? Like, <laughs> why? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that's that makes you slightly more interesting to me because that doesn't seem to make any sense. And I like that. <laughs> Other than that and him being like, I think the way that he was portrayed in the in whatever I was consuming was that he was just as moody as Zeus, but without the charming part. That's exactly what I was about to say. For my <laughs> thing, I was going to say something very similar. Just like equally as about to probably ruin, most likely, almost certainly going to ruin lives, but just did it, pop out of the water, ruin lives, and be like, ha, suck it, eat ass, and then just go back in the water. Whereas like theoretically, at the same time, I was being told that Zeus was at least making people heroes or something or other. I feel like also um. Zeus, for me, I see Zeus has like, Poseidon is like scarier than Zeus in a way, which I don't know mm. how that's possible. But I guess it's because Zeus has this, even though he's a total dickwad, he's like got this party boy thing going on. So it's like there's a little bit of humor, even if it's like if you can have some humor to being like a monster. But, like, Poseidon, I really didn't... Like, I don't have the impression that Poseidon has a sense of humor. But the like, thing is, is I think even practically, it's like, well, what am I scared of? Am I scared of a guy in a mountain who's a sniper right. with a lightning bolt? <laughs> or or like am I afraid of the, the entire ocean? <laughs> you yeah. know, it's yeah. like, oh, shit. Also, there's a clarity to the sky god, always, right? Because they're, mm. they're tied to, inevitably, the clear, bright sky, right? But then you think about the unknowable depths of the ocean, and then you yeah. think about being in a society at most points in history where, you know, you depend, if you live by the ocean, you depend on it for fishing, for travel, for all different types of things, and you could just as easily bring in the hall of a lifetime as have your boat capsize and die. That's just sort of it. You know what I mean? It's sort of yeah. the caprice of one of those gods costs you a lot more. Because yeah. you're either going to have a flood, a drought, or drown with this god's caprice. Or the sky god's caprice is like, yeah, there was thunder and lightning and a bad storm. We hunkered down and we got through it. Right. It's not you know like you're going to get engulfed by the... I imagine, like, I feel like with Poseidon, I imagine, like the swirling vortex of the sea that's like going to suck you into that, like, you know, that, that sort of vortex. I also feel like there's something about him that feels 
sinister in the way that it's like halfway to the underworld. Like the way the underworld is like sexy, but has a sinister feeling to it. I feel like compar- yeah. Zeus doesn't really have any of that. He just is like a dick. I feel like Poseidon has halfway <laughs> that sort of like sinister, like we're pulling you under into the unknown kind of kind of vibe. Well, the likability thing I thought was really interesting because if you think about it, like which one needs to be likable if either one does? Zeus. And it's like the sky god because he's yeah. basically a politician. he's god god. Yeah, you know what I mean? Guy. He's like, I'm well, up here. You have to look up to me. Whereas like yeah. Poseidon is lateral. Right. Poseidon's like, you live on land and I'll do whatever the fuck I want because I'm over here in the ocean and it's not like you can get to me if you wanted to. He doesn't even hang around. It's like he's not around a yeah. lot. I he's feel like he makes accessible, brief really. appearances. But, right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's the, and that's the thing too is like I feel like, like rightfully or not, Zeus is seen more as like kind of being like the, a father, mm-hmm. um, like in you know self-asserted and whatnot, um, and also being related to humans. Whereas like Poseidon seems to be for the most part like just very distant from the like story of humans. Or he does being feel a lot more distant to me as well. Um, Mostly because, yeah, I think we just associate him with a place that we don't go. Right. <laughs> um, this is really, this is really enlightening. I'm really glad that I get to get. I like this better when we place it here because I get to sort of get your unfiltered, yeah, ideas. Mm. And then knowing what I know, I'm like, oh, cool. This will be really interesting for you then. So let's start out. Purview slash domain, right? What would you say that he's the god of? I mean, well, the oceans. The, the ocean, right? The, yeah. And horses and earthquakes. Weather in some way, like, you know, some, like natural. I don't yeah. Know. yeah. So he was known as Earthshaker, King of the Sea and Lord of the Seas. And he's the god of the sea, seafaring, storms, earthquakes, floods, drought, and horses. That's an important <laughs> thing that he is tied to. Yes, horses. Horses are the I will never not happening? laugh at that. <laughs> no matter how horses much logic gets applied like to it, I will, I will never not laugh at it. So he is also tied to droughts, which is why even inland Greek city-states still really tried to make sure he was propitiated. Sometimes above all, if they had a spring or a well that dried up, that was indicating a very bad omen that like you have run afoul of Poseidon. And now your crops are going to fail and you're going he's to starve. Withholding. How does Daddy. he even know, bro? Like he's all the way out there. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, you know what would be hilarious. Well, technically, though? the naiads and the different oceanids and all like the different river and lake and spring spirits answer to him. Yeah. I know. So he's got like a whole funnier, network where he can find out about shit. It's funnier if he has a pair of horses like. Uh, Hugin and Moonen who go and sneak behind trees to watch his, his I'm kind of obsessed be- with that. <laughs> There's like horses sneaking behind trees watching conversations. <laughs> Just eavesdropping. And coming back to Poseidon and whispering into the water like <laughs> I love it. <laughs> is he kind of like, or is he like god of like all horses? Like sky horses too? Like That's all, hilarious. You know? Yeah, even flying horses. Flying yes. horses are also his horses. That yes. All his. Fucking sense, but, all the horses. Yeah. We're gonna get there though. <laughs> so, all right. Ready. Here's the part that I included for our fabulous fans. <laughs> In the Mycenaean religion. Let's go, Mycenaean yes! Greeks. Yes! <laughs> I know, I know, that's your shit. Favorite. Shout out to the Mycenaean Greeks. Um, in the Mycenaean religion, he was actually the prime god of the pantheon, having aspects that we now associate with Zeus and Hades. 
He had the strength in the crown of Zeus, and he ruled the underworld, paying special attention to its rivers like Hades. Girl, mm. what? This is like mm-hmm. we totally called it. We I'm telling called, you. We just called both those things. Now, he wouldn't actually become a god of the seas until after the fall of Kronos and the establishment of Olympus. That's mm. when he became a god of the ocean. Interesting. Now, interestingly, too, in terms of his spouse, right, it's said that Poseidon's unpredictable moods and easily angered nature <laughs> eventually got beyond just being, like, a bitch and, like, being temperamental to the point that he was, like, <laughs> fundamentally destabilizing nature. Oh, gosh. oh no. <laughs> Zeus was the first to observe this, um... Allegedly, I'm a, I'm imagining again. Heavy might wake him up and be like, "Hey, your brother, yeah, brother's someone definitely, <laughs> someone yeah. definitely tapped." Him I need you to look down from the mountain. Uh, the entire world's an ocean, so like you. Need like I to... am looking down from the mountain. <laughs> cut to like some unfortunate woman trying to. Wash I know. Her clothes That's in a river somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I am watching. So basically, Zeus notices that like, hey, this is not good. He needs to fucking chill out. So what is Zeus's idea on how to calm his brother down? His violent, <laughs> impetuous asshole of a brother, how does he calm him down? He needs a wife. Uh. Right. <laughs> because women are just factories that make better men. This calm him down. Yeah. <laughs> this is... Actually, it ends up working. In the long term, Zeus introduces Poseidon to Amphitrite. She's one of the eldest and most renowned Nereids. They're the uh, daughters of Nereus who is the eldest son of Pontus. So primordial gods, remember, Pontus was the ocean itself. Right. He had a son named Nereus, who became, like, the god of the ocean. And then his one of his eldest daughters is Amphitrite. Okay? Gotcha. She is wild. She's the personification of the sea. She's called the loud moaning mother of fish, oh, seals, so cool. dolphins, and shellfish. That's awesome. Wow. So anytime <laughs> that you heard, like, a whale song... Or like the sounds of dolphins. Aww. That was supposed to be her speaking. That's they so sound like cool. that's a good match, though. <laughs> it's a great match. It's, and a, it's, also, match. Yeah. it's a political that's, match because she basically has the birthright. I was gonna say to that be like, like some Game of Thrones. Now he like shit. owns the ocean. <laughs> like, sit down yeah, from the river family. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know who my father? Is? Right. Um, so the thing is, she was very beautiful. However, her depiction was often interchangeable with Thalassa, who's the most primordial goddess of the sea. She had lush dark hair that was wrapped in fishing nets, crab claw horns, and she carried a ship's oar. That's awesome. She's wild. I really like Amphitrite a lot. Sick as yeah, she sounds cool. Now, she initially tried to escape him because she wanted to remain a virgin goddess. This, get ready to be shocked. He doesn't actually pursue her. What? What? Himself. <laughs> There's nothing about Poseidon that I am learning that is consistent or... No. (laughs) So he doesn't pursue him himself. He sends one of his delphins after her. Delphins are dolphins, but they're divine. (laughs) 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 Hi, Dr. Seuss. Yeah. I'm a delphin, actually. Now, one of these delphins was especially cunning. We don't know his name. It's just Delphinus (laughs) is what he's called, which just means like delphin. So Excellent. he's like the prototypical <laughs> dolphin. He's dolphin. And so <laughs> yeah. he's doing it. So he is considered especially cunning. And oh, they can talk, by the way. That's like why they're yeah, magical. They're dolphins. They're dolphins. Yeah, for sure. Right. They can talk. Yeah. 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 So he was especially cunning and he was able to convince Amphitrite to follow him, leading her to Poseidon's palace where he was waiting. And you're going to love this. Um, this delphin was actually said to have gone on to organize and officiate their wedding. 
Bro, I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> this does That's... sound like a cartoon. What? Mm-hmm. This fucking mm-hmm. Nintendo Switch Mario Kart ass yeah. story. Like, because what? he did this, he earned such favor from Poseidon that he was placed among the stars as the constellation Delphinus or the Dolphin. I So, okay. Because it seems as though being put in the stars is equally punishment and reward. And <laughs> so... I don't know if I'd be like, I did all this great service, so I got put into the stars, and then right next to me is someone who just, like, violated someone to a point where they had to run away, like, cosmically. I think the thing is, death is inevitable, being forgotten is not. If you're, like, really on, you know, like, do some crazy shit. Just put me on the other side of the constellations, though. Like, put, <laughs> yeah, like don't put us next to each other. <laughs> <in the> neighborhood. <laughs> now they had children, but she also went on to bear seals, dolphins, and monsters of the deep. Oh, However, goodness. unlike his brother, father, and grandfather, Poseidon cherished all of his children. Oh. Poseidon was like proud of all of his kids. It didn't matter if you were like a sea nymph for a whale or a Daddy. turtle. Like he was a <coughs> water sign. <coughs> well, you know what it was? It's actually kind of smart, like kind of like their marriage. It was strategic as well because you live in the ocean and the ocean is his. So if it's time to go to war, yeah. he's like, oh yes, my huge whale boys. My you are mine my, and I love you. My army of, of whale children. Go yeah. defend me. You know what I yeah. mean? So it makes a lot of sense. Now, friends and enemies, you may not know this, but Poseidon and Zeus were actually bitter rivals. I did know that, actually. I For feel a like lot I of reasons. Vibe. Yeah. There was an attempted coup on Zeus. Yes. That really, a lot of people. I'm starting to really like Poseidon. <laughs> Poseidon was the one who basically was like led yeah. the charge to be like, fuck this guy. We're all tired of this. And it was him and Hermes that hmm. put it all together. I did not know Hermes was involved. And you're not going to know anything else because we're going to talk about it during Hermes episode. (laughs) Trickster bitch. That's it. He is also bitter rivals with Athena. And a lot of that has to do with the founding of Athens. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not going to tell you guys that story until we get to Athena's episode. But Wow, two times in a row. Yeah, I just have to like knock (laughs) him off the list real quick. I know. This is it. This entire podcast is just like reference another episode. That's all it is. There will be other episodes. That's it. So then we go to his retinue. His retinue was populated mostly by Triton, his son, the Nereids, who were all the sea nymphs, the sea gods, and and also basically every, like, sea creature that you could think of, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Then we have epithets. (laughs) I only included one. It's Enosikthon, which is Earthshaker, just because I think that. that one's the coolest. Earthshaker. It just sounds great. And then we have attributes and iconology. Attributes and iconology include trident, bull, horse, dolphin. And we're going to get down to explaining some of this. So Poseidon actually used his trident for a lot of things. His trident was basically magic. He could use it to shatter rocks, create new islands, royal the seas or calm them, call up or send away storms, and cause earthquakes. Also, wherever he struck his trident on land, water would burst forth. However, as pointed out in several myths, he could only produce ocean water, not, like, potable water. water, Uh, Interestingly, Poseidon was also thought to be the god able to inflict epilepsy, which was thought to occur if he pointed his trident at a mortal and cursed them. What? Mm -hmm. They had to explain that to themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like a human earthquake. Yeah. It does kind of make sense. Oh, my God, that's poetic. Sailors prayed to Poseidon for a safe voyage uh, and often would drown horses as a sacrifice. Jesus Christ. Yeah. 
There's too much livestock coming in and out of the sea. It's it's said that Alexander the Great had an entire ritual performed with prayers invoking Poseidon the sea god for whom he ordered a quote-unquote four-horse chariot to be cast into the waves. That I believe. Before the climactic battle of Isis. Poseidon was often called upon by charioteers and horse riders of all stripes as he's often understood as the father of horses and the first to tame them. However, his own chariot was drawn by fish-tailed horses with bronze hooves and golden manes called hippocampoi. Hippocampoi, yeah. His sacred objects, um, preferred offerings and all of those things are, uh, again, bulls and horses. And then pine tree and wild celery. So you remember oak was sacred to Zeus. The pine tree is sacred to Poseidon. And this is often theorized because it's so abundant in sap resin that people were able to make much better ships out of it oh. because they could seal them. Power of pine salt. Yeah, yeah. the power That's of pine salt. <laughs> and wild celery was actually used sort of like the bay laurel crowns. They would make bay laurel crowns out of pine needles and wild celery for the Ismithian Games, which were sort of analogous to the Olympic Games. And they were held in Poseidon's honor. Oh, yeah. That's cool. I just assumed they were like to bait horses or something. It's like... Horse. Just feed them celery. <laughs> horse yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's like, how do I draw horses, all horses. from the water? It's wild celery. So do we want to <laughs> nail down the difference between Poseidon and Neptune? Yes. Yeah? yeah? Neptune differed from Poseidon in essentially three key ways. First, although Neptune was much more level-headed and far less capricious, he was a much more minor deity in the Roman pantheon, having only one temple in all of Rome. Wow. This is because the Romans were not, by and large, a seafaring people. They conquered inland. He was also linked in many ways with the earth and with agriculture and fertility, which is reflected in his being only one of four gods who received bulls as sacrifices. So that's Neptune, all right? That's like sort of who Neptune is. Poseidon was associated with horses, as we know. (laughs) But he was associated with horses long before his role as an ocean god. And it's thought that his most ancient depictions portray him as a horse or having a horse's head. Standing in sharp contrast with Neptune, both in temperament and purview, Neptune was always a god of the waters, although it seems he started out as a god of wells and springs and later came to be the god of the ocean. Whereas you had to get basically... um, your horse god to be the ocean god. Interesting. Again, his purview as being the ocean god did not occur until the establishment of the Olympian gods. Right, they drew straws and everything. So before that, he was a horse god. Now, Neptune had no links to horses whatsoever before the influence of the Greeks. It seems that this is the key area where his character was influenced to the point that 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 one temple in Rome that I mentioned, it was adjacent to the prime horse racing stadium. Not like overlooking the ocean. <laughs> it's the bookie. That's it. That's hilarious. So <laughs> Neptune was also a god of horses and equestrian sport. He even had the epithet Neptunus Equester. But even in this, he is vastly different than Poseidon. Neptune had an amicable relationship with Minerva, who's Athena's Roman counterpart. And they worked together to invent horse racing. Neptune provided the horses and Minerva crafted the chariot. And then they basically showed it off to humans and it started as a sport. Hmm. 
which would never have happened because they're like mortal enemies in the Greek pantheon. Yeah. It's important to note that if you really want to get a sense of like a full picture of a Roman god's personality, purview, and demeanor, you need to look at their paradry. Paradry are entities, usually in the form of gods, who accompany a god as their pair or complement. They are meant to embody the god's prime aspects or powers, and in ancient Roman religion, they're most often goddesses, taking the form of a consort or a wife. Neptune had two paradry. He had his wife, Silesia, and he also had the goddess, Vanilia. Silesia represented, like, the tempestuous, violent ocean, like the perfect storm. It was, she was everything about, like, water in motion, the tides and all of that. Then you had Vanilia, who represented calm, tranquil seas, right, and stillness. Both embody key aspects of the seas, most evident to ancient peoples that they had to be aware of in terms of navigation and being able to fish and all of those things. Additionally, these aspects were further understood to represent Neptune's virility in having so many children and his whole, you know, thing. That would be through Salacia, which is why it's the root of salacious. Mm -hmm. And his wisdom, Vanilia, because he has, he's much more steady handed. Yeah. Now, this divide grows even more apparent when you look at the character of the Etruscan counterpart in all of this, whose name is Nethunes, who for the longest time they thought was the root for Neptune, but it actually turns out linguistically that's probably not possible. Hmm. He's most often depicted alongside Usil, who's the sun, and Thason, who's the dawn. The three are seen as responsible for the terrestrial realm and its life cycle. Nethunes served in oracular function as well, communicating through dreams and aiding in dousing or water witching. His attributes were, and this is why I love the Etruscans, because they, they'll take something that they saw like from the Greeks or whoever, and they just make it even more badass. Mm -hmm. He's got a trident. It's a double-ended fucking trident. Whoa, oh, cool. cool. So he's like this, like, ah, and he's both ends are the fucking trident. And I'm like, Badass. Ah, or is he going like this? You know, no, I was going to say, like, that's some flow art <laughs> shit. Yes! <laughs> and so he was also, he would be seen like with the anchor, the seahorse, the dolphin. That was like kind of his whole thing. Also, Nethunes specifically out of all of them had the clearest role as a chthonic god as well. Because the Etruscans had a night sun, which was the son of the underworld, who was called Suri. So there's like a symbol for Suri that was that's usually on Usiel when Usiel, the regular sun, is shown with Nethunes. Because to them, you actually got to the city of the dead, like you got to the Etruscan underworld on the back of a hippocampi. Oh, wow. Yeah. The hippocampi are pretty cool. I'll just fucking, uh, please, don't know when we start. I'll literally start talking about the Etruscans like you guys don't even know. Um, so what do we think so far? I'm trying to, I think Hippocampi looks, or they remind me of Kelpies, which is like another fantasy kind of like horse fish It's thing. like front legs horse, back legs fishy tail. Yeah. Kind of like Capricorn, but with a horse instead of a goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's totally like how I picture him. I mean, I guess Poseidon, but like all of these guys. Like with rains <laughs> and like you know the hippocampi and like like it's just co it's cool like rising out of a wave. But now I'm imagining Poseidon wearing a cowboy hat, and I can't get that out of my head. <laughs> like no, it's like permanently burned into my head because he's like he's like the cowboy. He's like got horses and and like amazing uh, cows and like things coming toxic out of the ideas <laughs> about relationships with women. Yeah, yeah he's, he's definitely a, cow a cowboy. He's the cowboy. <laughs> I will never unsee him as the cowboy now. I'm listen. I'm okay with Poseidon having a twang. 
I think that that makes a lot of sense. And he just disappears. Like he comes, shows up, and then just like it leaves. Like it's just suddenly gone. Okay, so then if you're if you're already halfway there, who are you casting as Poseidon? He's Hank Williams. It's got to be Hank Williams. It can't be like a modern. It can't be like a rhinestone cowboy. But it could be an actor. Like if we were having like if we were casting this for a movie, who would play him? Because I feel like every time that they do the Olympians in movies, I'm like, this is not. You should not have done this. Josh Brolin. <laughs> Josh Brolin. Yes, I love that. Like, yeah, like sort of Western daddy. Yeah. Just make him a wet daddy. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm Josh Brolin that. would do do a really good Poseidon. Who would be Zeus? Really. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I. <laughs> This doesn't make any sense. You, actually, you know what? You know who I would love to see do Zeus? Because I think he'd be really good at like really encapsulating the might, the terror, power, authority, and douchiness. Hmm. Ron Perlman. I don't think of Ron Perlman as douchey. No, but he can pull it off in a way. Yeah, that but you're then like, the problem is he's going to be like hot Zeus. Like, yeah. Okay, if you want hot Zeus, then you give him that big ass beard and oh, he's yeah. got no shirt on. I mean, oh I've, my I god! Love Ron I mean, I've, I would it, ride Ron Perlman like Seabiscuit. The problem is, I'll like I'll like <laughs> Zeus like too much. I'm on Ron Perlman's side. Ooh, like, I, please! I think Ron Perlman. You're right. Is he anything be, he's got that forever. glimmer in his eye. Oh Jesus! Please don't. He just is like. Let's get soaking wet. Oh, I just would gush over Ron Perlman. We I can't even handle taste, it. But it's true. Oh, I just want to fucking get. Oh, he's just so good. I agree. Um, okay, so that, that does make sense to me. You know what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know if I want him to just like pick me up and hold me. I don't know if I want him to crush my head between his thighs like a watermelon. Oh, I don't oh, know if I just yeah. like want to build myself a timeshare in his ass. He'd I don't know. I just, juice. good lord, that yeah. man is fine. Oh. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, he'd be a good Zeus. Okay, so we've got Zeus is Ron Perlman. Josh Brolin would be Poseidon. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like we have to pick the other brother in anticipation for next week and then see if you still feel that way. Well, I mean, Vince, that's your boy. You want to? Yeah, Vince, who do you think? For Hades? Yeah. Yeah. I'm really bad at acting. Okay, okay, that's um, fine. You don't have to pick. You know who I think would yeah. be a really good Hades? Oh, I would love that. Who? I don't want to say his name wrong, so I'm going to Google it. <laughs> because I'm going to feel really bad if I mispronounce his name because it's a kid's show if you say it wrong. Oh. I feel like I'm just seeing them. The, my only thing is I'm seeing them all like similar age. Jaimon Hansu. I don't know who that is. Oh, wait. Yes, I do. Oh, interesting. Yes, I totally Speaking do. of daddy. Also, my used, God. Yeah, I totally forgot about him. I used to have the biggest crush on him, obviously. Oh, I think everyone did. And like, all he has to do is he does this like guttural talking thing. And you're he, like, no, no, he's, per he's perfect. He's also the right age and is an awesome. He's actor. the right age. They would yeah. ostensibly be brothers. The right generation. He would be so good as any of them, yes. quite frankly. Where has but he been? I, I think we also kind of all really like Hades the most. So I'm like, we do. give we him the, the role. Hunt. He'd kill it. Um, also, well, because I didn't want to say his name wrong. Because then you'd say Digimon. <laughs> yeah, Jaimon. I totally just forgot about him because I feel like I haven't seen him in anything in a long time. He did a really cool semi-autobiographical documentary on voodoo in Benin where he's from. Oh, I, that sounds I feel like, okay, that's what I think I know him from. I think that's where I know his name from. Yeah. I thought I texted you about it. I thought I, I was like, hey, check this out. I feel like that, yeah. That's why I feel like the only reason I know that name is because of the documentary. Who would be Persephone then? And does Persephone necessarily have to be younger than him? Because I think she does. I think so too. I think of her as much. I mean, obviously, I think of her. Yeah, as, she has to be, right? Theoretically. She's young. Yeah. yeah. As a result of well, she's, so I like, don't think she's supposed to be like a teenager, but I do think she is supposed to be like, she's a younger goddess because her mm -hmm. she's his niece. 
I feel like he's like got to be in his 50s or 60s at least, and she's in her like 30s at most. Like, I don't think she's, I think she's young. <gasps> Do you know who would be so good as Persephone? Tessa Thompson. I don't know who that is. I mean, I Tessa Thompson. Oh, interesting. She's, um, oh, well, you haven't watched the MCU. She's Valkyrie in, in Thor Ragnarok, but she's so good as an emotional actress. Because oh, yeah. I remember I when she, she was in, she was still really young too when she was in For Color Girls. And it was like, yeah. She was a powerhouse in that movie. Yeah, but Tessa Thompson's not... I think it depends on what part of the story you're telling. Because I could mm. see it as, like, the initial part of the story. Well, yeah, you... Yeah. But she's, like, not scary enough to be Persephone, I feel. It does have to be someone um, who can, like, convey both. There's, like, a lot of sides there. Okay, so not for Persephone, but for Demeter. Um, I would be... I don't know if this works, but I would be interested to see Regina King. Oh, yeah. I can um, see that. Because I think that would be kind of sure. cool. I think that's I think, a classier choice than what I was going to say. <laughs> and then I think for Persephone, I wonder if, like, someone like Solange works. Because, like, Ooh, Solange has yeah. a face that, like, yeah. in her music videos, it's like can't, she uses, like, very artistically and can morph a lot. But also she will just permanently look at, like... She is just younger than Beyonce. But perfect, like, so, like youthful, ver- but also serious energy. Yeah. I think that's also, what, that's classic. the classic. She has that, like, renaissance-type yeah, face mm-hmm. where you can see her in a classic painting. Very much so. So yeah. that she brings a gravitas without even having to try to. But still has a right. youthful energy, but also, like, very intense and and serious. Like okay. Also, just Regina King is Demeter and Solange's Persephone would be a fun thing to watch. That would be amazing. Yeah. Are we 100% against Kerry Washington as Persephone? No. No, I mean, I'm I'm Hmm. super into that. I love Kerry Washington. Because she's, I just think about, like, how expressive her face is. She has the same kind of qualities. Yeah. She has the the balance we're talking about of, like, youthfulness that. that then could turn very serious and dark. And And, and vengeful, if need be, you know? Um, she definitely can capture both. Hear me out. Gaia, Viola Davis. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a natural, I feel like. Yeah. Can you think of anybody else like, who can play her besides going full Meryl Streep? Meryl Streep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I don't think there's another option. No. But I think also Meryl Streep, in a weird way, would, like, her uh, her chameleon-ness would be, is, like, needs to go somewhere else. I mean, I think Meryl Streep can do anything, but I don't just see her as, like, strength like, yeah. I, I don't see her as this just, like, strong, grounded. She's, like, it's better to put her somewhere, like, casting-wise, I feel like it's better to put her somewhere where she's more transformative. I could see her as, like, or, or even as, like, a mortal queen yeah. who gets wrapped up yeah. in the story. Exactly. Where, like, she's the most powerful I, of the mortals, and then you see her pale in comparison, and you're like, oh, my God, you know? I feel like her whispering into Zeus's ear would be cool. Ooh. Like, ask them as. Yeah. Um, but then we have to counterbalance her with Hera, who's Hera. I cannot unsee Madonna now, ever. Madonna acts. I know, kind of. Has acted. Kind of. <laughs> I feel like Viola Davis, I like Gaia. I also like Viola Davis as someone like Nyx, depending on <gasps> where the story is. Oh. Um, just because I could see her like in a Nyx costume. And that would I don't dope. know. I don't see it. I also want her to have a little space purse. I think she's got to be earthy because I think like I need somebody who's otherworldly. Like I could see, I could straight up see Solange being Nyx and having the fucking knight not be looking older than everybody else because she's 
something about her makeup, her hair, her costume, the CGI they put around her makes her look I see almost interdimensional. Young or like not ageless. In I don't way. think she, she has to be ageless in some way. I mean, I, I'm not saying go alien as far as Tilda Swinton. I don't think go. that's just kind of We're stereotypical. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think like it has to be somebody who has an inscrutable face. They have to be very hard to read when they don't want to be read. And Solange fits that bill for sure, but so do other people too. Oh my God, could we have FK Twigs be fucking next, please? That would be. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that would. That would be it. <laughs> my God, <laughs> can we just do an entire Greek god movie, movie where should. Taraji P Henson plays everybody? Every single person. Yeah. <laughs> I'm into that. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd just be great. Yeah, scrap the rest. Scrap of this. it. Just fuck it. Edit all of this out. Yeah. Just Taraji <laughs> P Henson. Every, she writes it, produces it, directs it. <laughs> it's actually all on her fucking iPhone just like in selfie yeah, mode I would love that yeah I think it'd be great That'd this is just awesome. a TikTok now <laughs> <laughs> okay you guys ready for some gay shit Gay shit, gay Always shit. Always ready for gay shit. Okay. Dun, 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 dun. Gay shit. <laughs> so now we're going to talk gay shit. We're going to talk lovers. We're going to talk <laughs> all kinds of foolishness. So we're going to start out with Nerides, who was a minor sea god and the son of Nereus and Doris, who are the ones who bore the Nereids. Remember that the Nereids are this, like, gang of 50 sea nymphs who are most often seen acting as the retinue of Poseidon. They were also often known to be friends to sailors. They would offer aid to the Argonauts during their epic journey, for example. Uh, they were thought to live in a golden palace with their father and were known to represent everything beautiful, kind, and giving about the sea. They were incredible mm-hmm. singers, and their depiction has changed over time. You see, like in ancient myth, the Nereids were thought to be beautiful barefoot maidens dressed in white silk robes with gold trim. They would wear crowns of red coral. However, post-Renaissance, they're basically always just shown as mermaids. There's a few notable Nereids to be aware of. There's Thetis, the mother of Achilles, uh, Poseidon's wife, Amphitrite, and the tragic Galatea, who we'll get to in another story. Now, what's so special about Nereides, aside from the fact that he's the only son and has 50 sisters? Well, (laughs) he was almost exclusively described as a stunning beauty. There are two common versions of this myth, so you know what that means. Choose your own adventure! (laughs) Version 1. We all know that Aphrodite was born when when Aranos' severed genitals fell into the ocean and his blood and semen mixed with the sea foam. But how did she get from the ocean to Olympus? There are actually a few myths which seek to fill her time in the seas before she comes ashore. And that's where we find her in this story. Aphrodite herself was enraptured with the beauty of Nereides, and she sought to make him her consort. When the time had come for Aphrodite to join the Olympian gods high on Mount Olympus, she popped the question. She asked him to join her. She promised him eternal life and a pair of lustrous wings, promising that flying would be just like swimming. However, (laughs) Nereides would never leave the water, let alone his family, so he rejected her offer. Enraged, Aphrodite cursed him, changing him into a shellfish and giving the wings to her son Eros. <laughs> I mean, if you have a pair, extra pair of wings lying around, you don't just let them. You yeah, know. don't want to waste them. If only, if only Icarus had been in line. Oh gosh! Oh my gosh! Solved a lot of problems. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of a shellfish do you think? Wait, like, are we talking like a like a lobster? It's supposed to be the first one, so in my head, it's an ammonite. Yeah. You know the one that's like the spiral, <laughs> the spiral that you see in fossils? Thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's not the worst nice. life, I guess. Or the Pokemon. 
Ammonite. I don't know who it could be. Version two. In any version of the myths, Poseidon and Nereides are lovers. Do you guys remember the Erotes? Kind of. They were the winged group of minor love gods that accompany Aphrodite. Eros is like their chief kind of in charge. And then there was one that was like um, requited love, unrequited love. You remember them? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So Poseidon approaches Nereides in courtship and Nereides responds in kind. And it's said that their love was so great that it birthed the Eroti and Teros, who is literally requited love, into the world with his long flowing hair and his plumed butterfly wings, carrying a golden club and lead arrows. Poseidon made Nereides his sacred charioteer. He took to it immediately and drove the chariot with such astonishing speed that it became the stuff of legends. Nereides could not get enough of driving the chariot across the seas, bounding along with the many sea creatures who would swim along with him, racing and playing all day long. Poseidon took great joy in watching his beloved so wild and free. However, he had warned him many, many times not to go too close to the surface but he never told him why. And Nereides really did listen. But one day he had been racing a pod of dolphins, and before he knew it, the dolphins had raced to the surface so that they could leap through the air. And so had he. Suddenly he broke through the surface of the water, radiant in the gleaming sunlight on his skin. And that sunlight was radiating down from Helios's chariot. And it was Helios's eye that the boy caught. It said he was so enraptured with the young god's beauty that the sun stood still for several days as he gazed down at the sea, hoping to catch another glimpse. Finally, Helios sent word to Poseidon asking about the wondrous god that he had witnessed. He told Poseidon that he was looking for the beautiful god and that he wanted to carry him off to his solar palace. Poseidon was furious, knowing that Helios was jealous and petty, and that he would not relent. So he sent Nereides to the surface in order to shut this foolishness down and decline the sun god's offer once and for all. Nereides emerged from the waters, and it became noon at once, with Helios directly overhead gazing down at him. Nereides couldn't see anything in the blinding light, but he enjoyed the warmth radiating down. He called out, Helios, I have come as you have asked, but also because my king Poseidon has asked. Thank you for your kindness, but I am unable to reciprocate, as I am already bound to Poseidon, and our love is true. It is for the best, as I am a creature of the sea, and I could never live with you in the clouds. Helios said nothing, as he blasted down sunlight and heat on the innocent, beautiful god. And at once, two things happened. The scorned Helios seized upon Nereides' words and immediately changed him into a creature of the sea, the ugliest creature of the sea that he could imagine, the first shellfish. And in that moment, his bitterness and rejection welled up, and one of two things happened. Hemeros, the erote of unrequited love, was born, or more commonly, Enteros, the erote of requited love, who was born out of the true love of Nereides and Poseidon, was transformed, altered, or tainted now taking on his secondary role as the punisher of those who scorn love or reject the advances of others, the avenger of unrequited love. Poseidon was so enraged at what Helios had done that he destroyed Heliopolis, his sacred city, by calling forth a great flood, then causing an earthquake, and then ravaging what remained with drought. 
It is said that when the flood approached, every horse in the city broke free and ran straight into the sea, crying out in a terrible chorus as they were pulled under the crashing waves. Yeah, jeez, that one's pretty awful. Yeah, a I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> pick the first one just because it's less awful. Now, in other versions of the second myth, by the way, Nereides was just as skilled in Poseidon's chariot and got bold and challenged Helios to a chariot race. Okay, that's fun. He lost. Helios then basically just transforms him into a shellfish for his insolence. <sighs> Sucks to be beautiful. I yeah, guess. I think is the I think is the moral of these. That's stories. the moral. Yeah. Thank I you, Aesop. I do like the image of him like coming out of the water, like you know, and Helios just looks down and is like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> They're both just in their chariots, just like it's a very cinematic moment. Mm. But man, that's awful. Also, it's like none of them would go down into the ocean. Yeah, they're just so like move up they... here. He's like, right. yeah. he's like, I'm, I don't want to. I'm a fish person. I like it. Here. I think it's because he's human shaped. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, you'll be fine. And he's like, yeah, but that's not my natural. I don't like it. Yeah. This is all I've known. I don't want to leave the water. I like living in the ocean. Also, does okay. Helio? Yeah, that's a good. That, now I have a question, right? Because like, does Helios not? Oh no, I guess he's older than Poseidon. Helios is older than Poseidon. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say, does Helios not um, have to bow to rank? But I guess no. he doesn't because he's yeah. not below rank. Yeah, that did seem weird to me, too, just because he seems less. I, I mean, he's not less important. But yeah, I guess, I guess it seems like Poseidon should be able to be like, no, this is my love. But Helios doesn't give a fuck. There's a lot of situations where you'll find that out of what seems like necessity, the gods don't go against each other. The right. major gods, like they see each other, I think as as, as essential, and so like therefore yeah. it's like, well, I can't just kill him. So yeah. and if and if we get into a war, it's just going to basically devastate the earth, and then we'll still both be here pissed off. But it's also said, I mean, it's also worked into the first version of that though too, where it's like Nereides tries to turn him down gently, and then in response he's like, race me, at, you know, in a uh. chariot race, and if I if you win, you'll go back to Poseidon. If you lose, you have to come with me, and he agrees. And then loses and is like, I'm not going with you. I won't leave him. And he's like, cool, you're a fucking shellfish now. Fuck you. But couldn't Poseidon turn him not into a shellfish? Maybe you can't go against like a curse of another god. That's actually a really common thing in like Mesopotamian lore. Like the story of Asashunamir, which is one that we're going to tell someday, which is my favorite myth of all time. And I try not to cry every time I fucking tell it, but it's really hard. Where basically the queen of the underworld curses this god and the queen of heaven comes to the god and is like i can't undo what she's done but i can soften it i can mm. put other conditions on it and i can try and like make it bearable make for it you better uh, like i can give mm. you gifts to counterbalance the curse you know what i mean but you're stuck and, with it yeah because otherwise and it wouldn't matter what any of them did because the other one could just come everything. and like overwrite yeah. it or whatever you know what i mean so i think that is kind of part of it i think that is part of like mm. the supposed balance it makes sense all right, you ready for more gay shit? More gay shit. Yes. <clears throat> well, folks, the time has come <laughs> to check back in on our boy with the porcelain shoulder. Oh, Mr. Stew. Yeah, Mr. Stew. <laughs> so let's see how things turn out. Monster Gaspacho. Yes. <laughs> so last we heard. Pelops was resurrected by the fates, namely Clotho, and was now a divine being with extraordinary beauty, 
in a room where Poseidon had immediately fell in love with him. So after being a soup. Yeah, after being after a soup. his shoulder was eaten. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened next? Well, it seems that Poseidon took Pelops down to his underwater palace and sought to teach him chariot racing. Remember, horses are born of the his ocean thing, or whatever, yeah. but they're also hippocampi. And then also, I guess this is kind of his thing with the people that he loves. But he also teaches him, quote unquote, all the secrets of the sea. And he must have done something right because Pelops went on to become a god of the sea, dolphins, and erotic passion. Stop it. <laughs> yes. Well, those are later... the secrets of the sea. Yeah, the secrets <laughs> of the sea are bottoming, basically. Yeah, I think so. So Pelops was later venerated at Olympia, where, which is a place as well, um, where his cult was eventually part of the founding myth of the Olympic Games. Interestingly, he was mostly known as a quote-unquote dark-faced chthonic god who was offered nighttime libations and black rams in sacrificial pits. Okay. His shrine was described by, by, by Pausanias as, quote, drenched in glorious blood and was said to be built on his supposed gravesite surrounded by a circle of stones. Wow. That's a... Now, there's significant evidence that a giant shoulder blade was the centerpiece of the shrine. The ancient Greeks used the remains of huge extinct animals, mostly prehistoric in nature, to explain the heroic age that we talked about last week, calling these the remains of heroes, demigods, and monsters, as they obviously had no understanding of archaeology or paleontology, let alone the existence of dinosaurs. The shit was probably also way closer to the surface. Yeah, and easier to find and abundant, I would would assume. Mm -hmm. But also, you know what? Maybe giants were a thing, so fuck you. Um, (laughs) Later, Pelops would move on, apparently, and marry Hippodamia, whose name means she who masters horses. <laughs> I feel like that has to be a slap in the face to Poseidon. Yes. And they had at least 16 children. But their marriage would not come easily. You see, Hippodamia's father, King Onimaeus, was a fucking asshole. He was given a prophecy that he was going to be killed by his son-in-law. So he did the reasonable thing. He would challenge any of her would-be suitors to a chariot race. Thing is, he was undefeated. It went the same way each and every time. He would defeat the suitor, kill him, cut his head off, and mount his head on a spike to adorn his palace. There are a lot of stories like this one, and they always drive me fucking crazy, because my first question is, how the hell did this guy find out about her if she's secreted away by her father... And given that he's never seen or spoken to her, why would he fight to the death for her? But that's what I get for trying to assign logic to heterosexuality. So it is what it is. Why is his dad so good at chariot racing, though, also? Because I guess he's a king and has literally nothing else to do. That's what he's been doing, yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, In school, they talk. Drag race me for my daughter. Yes. <laughs> like... Oh my god, stop it. They have to literally lip sync for their life for the fucking hand of the daughter in marriage. Yeah. Ah. Stop. Street drag racing, but that works too. That's so good. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. by the time that Pelops came around, old King Onimaeus had run through 18 suitors. And honestly, I don't think that's enough because, like, hashtag kill all men. But this is just deja vu on repeat as he's just <laughs> like hitting Mario Kart circuits <laughs> with all of these suitors. I love it. <laughs> deja vu. I've just been in this place before. It's just like speeding anime music. Oh, I okay. All right. I thought you meant deja vu by Beyonce, but I'll take um, the yeah, DDR is, track. We're two, 
Yeah, because drag racing, and then there's a whole drag racing anime called Initial D, uh, and there's a song that goes with it called Deja Vu, and it's about it's about hitting. I have literally no idea what you're talking on, about. On corner, it's a racing. And game. there's no drag queens no. in this entire thing. No, that's why it was funny. That's I was a complete like, yeah, that also, missed opportunity. Yeah, it's completely yeah. <laughs> Even if you just had these like normal boring cis men drag race, and they had to have like a lace front stay on. They're the whole time that yeah. they were drag racing, that would just like up the stakes. And if the outfits and changes had to match the cars the car. and their yeah, their tuners, yeah. That's it. That'd be dope. So Pelops is basically on some Ariel shit. He's like, Hello, I'm here for Princess Charming, who I've never talked to or spoken to or seen. <laughs> King Onimaeus comes out apparently to like some Tokyo drift beats and accepts the challenge. <laughs> Maybe it's the heads mounted on spikes. Maybe it's the king's crazy eyes. But all of a sudden, Pelops is fully and truly shook. He just threw down the gauntlet and is kind of like, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, the heads on spikes might be a sign. Yeah, right. This is what this guy does for fun. This is literally, he gets up in the morning hoping that a man will show up that he can race. (laughs) That a man comes by to race him. So Pelops is shooketh, as we said. He goes out to the sea and he calls on Poseidon, Mm -hmm. who, let me remind you, is his ex. Poseidon rises up out of the sea, giving very being stunning as the best revenge. (laughs) Basically, I imagine this is sort of how this would go. What the fuck do you want? What do you want? I told you not to come here anymore. Did you give me my key back? Did you? You 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 told me not to come to the ocean. I can't even go on the beach. No, you're banned. I told them I put your picture at the entrance, and they said you wouldn't be here. But what? What do you want? That's a little extra. Poseidon, I have a lot of feelings still. Yeah, I know. We know. There's been tidal waves every day. If you you this. need to go to therapy. This is why we broke this up. This is the oh, it's happening all over again. All over you again. Can't Here we drown go. Drown entire civilizations because you're sad. What do you want? I need your help. Oh, you need my help now. Yes, I do. <laughs> I'm sure and you I do. Think we, I do. <laughs> um, I am trying for some unknown reason to win the hand of a princess in marriage who I've never seen and never spoken to and it's I have to chariot race for it this is very insulting <laughs> on many levels you know as I'm asking you this I'm realizing yeah, that maybe you should have thought this one through before you knocked on my door broke my heart again and then asked me to help you get laid I if you help me with this I promise I'll just like I'll leave you alone forever You'll never see me again. No we more, will move no more as, beach season pass. We will move no as far boats. inland as we can. <laughs> we will never come to the ocean again. And if we do, you have full permission from me to drown me or any of my descendants oh, that I'm ever come near to. the water. I'm going to. I'm going to turn you into some weird sea creature and banish you. Um, okay, what do you need? All right. I just need a chariot that is going to help me win this ra- win the race. Now you need to borrow my car. You're literally asking to borrow my car you, to pick listen, a Listen, I know up. how to drive it almost as good as you do, if not better. I've if not better? The, Excuse me? Better adjacent. I don't know. Like, look, the thing is, is that I, you know, I know how to drive it. I'm really, I've never I'm once, not, I'm remembering why we broke up. Like, how many times did I crash a chariot? Never. Okay, so what are you worried about? I'm going to bring it back to you. I... <sighs> I also need you to create some magical horses that can run on land because the hippocampi are not going to be able to do this. It's not in the water. I've already made all kinds of horses. I've got the horses. Don't worry about the horses. The horses <laughs> okay. I can figure out. All right. 
I'm just trying to figure out why why I why you deserve this. Because you're never going to see me again. I'm going to be out of your life. You'll be able to move on. <sighs> and I will be somewhere where even one of your floods can't reach me. So everybody wins. Don't make me regret this. I probably will. Thank you. <laughs> and <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> So basically, as you can see, Poseidon essentially sees like how foolish this goofy ass boy is realizing and, and in doing so probably realizes that he's finally over it. So he blesses Pelops with a chariot drawn by wild winged horses and is basically like best wishes and swims back down to his palace. And what happens next always has to do with the charioteer, but there are two different accounts. So you know what time it is. Pick your own Choose adventure. your own adventure. Version one, <clears throat> Pelops hops on the chariot and takes off to the king's palace, ready for their match. Now, I don't know where he went to find the sea, but in this account, they're somehow really fucking far from the place they literally just, just left. Yeah. Oh, and he has a charioteer now who just appeared. I threw uh, it in. Is... I threw it in with the deal. I just didn't want you to crash. <laughs> this guy's a really good driver. I lent you my driver. It's okay. His name is Kilius or Spheris. He's lovely. So lovely, in fact, that Kilius and Pelops fall madly in love. Wait, stop it. But they still embark on the journey to win the princess, I guess. What even? Yeah. We don't know how it happens, but during the long journey to to the palace, Kilius drops dead. This is a whirlwind. We have no idea how it happens. It just happens. Kilius is dead. The charioteer has fallen. And that night, Pelops is asleep when he wakes up to see Kilius standing over him. Kilius demands a full burial rite from Pelops because apparently he just left his fucking body outside somewhere. And Pelops kept going. Oh my god! I guess I don't know. And so Pelops absolutely complies because he's still freshly grieving (laughs) his boyfriend and their very serious eight-day relationship. So he goes on to give him proper burial rites. That's fair. Kind of. So Pelops builds a funeral pyre, recites the requisite prayers, carries out the proper rituals, and then buries the ashes. Then he raises a mound upon which is built a magnificent temple to Apollo, where Apollo will be revered under the epithet Apollo Kileus, after hmm. Kileus, around which he builds an entire city named Kila. This is all mentioned in the Iliad, by the way. So it definitely happened. Um, And then before (laughs) setting off for the palace once more, Pelops prays at the temple, asking Calais for his blessing in the race. Hi. Hey. um, I hope you like this incense. Wow, this is really nice. Wait a second. This is really nice. What's happening? Yeah, I I built you a temple because I know you were like a... You were devoted to Apollo, so that's very extra. That's a lot more than I asked for. And what are all these buildings? Did you? Oh, you looked outside. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of glancing at the window now, and it seems like it's there's an a lot entire going city on. named after you. Wow! Wow! Yeah, I, I had some time. You did. I felt really bad about leaving your body because I was just kind of really thrown off. It I've was never a seen little a mean. Dead... I was pretty pissed, but I've never I, seen a dead person before. I'm, I'm not from sure I can hold on the to ocean. it now that you've built me an entire city inside a, <laughs> with a temple in the center. Yeah, I mean, you and know, the incense let's... is nice too. Yeah, well, I remembered your favorite flowers, so. <laughs> oh, it's too bad I'm dead. I know. I feel like we had a really good it's thing going, bummer. and I want to remember it. Yeah, I know. Are you still gonna go find that girl though? 
Honestly, what else would I do at this point? You know what I'm saying? I like I'm not So I was just hoping like maybe you could give me some sort of like supernatural blessing. I don't know if you've learned how to do that yet, but like oh, it yeah. would really be helpful. That's like day one. Like I've yeah, that's day one stuff. I know how to do okay. that. Okay. Okay, um you get my blessing. Go okay. get the bitch. Okay. Uh win. All right. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Bring one home for daddy. If it doesn't happen <laughs> or like if it if like it all falls through, I'm just gonna I could just like come back here. Yeah. If that, I mean, if you like. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, maybe I'll write a letter first. Well, yeah. Do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> bye. Have fun. <laughs> so if you're Calais, are you pissed? Yeah, probably at first. Y- you know, I know I, I'm spiteful and petty and I don't feel also, shame. But pretty nice. If they were both super clear on like going to get the princess like as a thing. Like mm. And solid. then, like, you have, like, the lavish funeral, the gorgeous temple, an entire city named after you. That's not really slumming it in the afterlife. Like, you're doing pretty good. I feel like unless you get, like, a sh- unless you get assigned, like, a shitty offering, you know, like, your offering is, like, hey, uh, well, because Killa is where these big, like, wildebeest things are, we offer you, <laughs> these like, stinky wildebeest fucking mollusks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we roast them. Yeah. Here you go. That's it. <laughs> or it's just an animal and, like, actually the person was a vegetarian. Yeah, which, like, like, existed oh, at oh, that no, time. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want this. Version, okay, out of five shellfish, how many shellfish are you giving version one? I liked it. I think four shellfish. I do like the end. The end saves it. I do like the, the, the city and temple thing. It also gets points for randomness. Yeah, it keeps you guessing. All right, how many shellfish, Vince? <sighs> I want to I want to give it 3 and a transition into a bigger shell, like a hermit crab transition into a bigger shell. That's nice. Really? Cuz that <laughs> I think that's exhausting, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah. You've made up your own rating system. I like it. We're using shells, all right? So <laughs> Yeah. Um all right. So then we have version 2. Ready? In version 2, Pelops and Hippodamia have not only met and talked, they're now plotting together to figure this thing out. She's no fan of her father. She just wants out of there. So, and Pelops isn't half bad looking. She's going to get over the ivory shoulder. She's fine. (laughs) Pelops goes and gets the chariot from Poseidon. And while he's gone, Hippodamia goes and talks with Myrtilus. Myrtilus is her father's charioteer, and he's a son of Hermes. She attempts to convince him to help Pelops win the race by promising him half the kingdom. And... And I don't know why she does this. Yeah, why? The first night in bed with her. Oh. What? Uh, That's too yeah, much. Yeah, I don't know why that was necessary. That was Half much. the kingdom is enough. Yeah, she could have left it and not. Maybe she just has a thing for him. That's like what it's seeming like. I don't know. I guess. The night before the race, Myrtilus is tuning up the chariot and casually removes the bronze linchpins. They keep the wheels on the chariot and replaces them with ones made from beeswax. No, no, no. No. <laughs> yeah. Why? That's awesome. The next morning, the race is set to begin, and the entire kingdom is there to watch it all go down. It starts, and Pelops rockets out to an early lead, but the king is holding his own. Several times, he almost catches up to him, cruelly whipping his horses on. This goes on long enough that both Hippodamia and Myrtilus are surprised and becoming quite concerned. But then, just as the king rounds a bend and is about to overtake Pelops and his divine horses... The wheels fly off and the chariot shatters. In the chaos that ensues, Pelops crosses the finish line. Myrtilus is thrown from the chariot and somehow survives. (laughs) But a different fate awaits King Onimaeus. 
it's sort of implied that he treated his servants and his people just like he treated the horses. And it doesn't seem like Myrtilus was going to shed any tears over his death, which is why it seems just a little suspect that one of the stirrups somehow ended up wrapped around the king's ankle before the chariot crashed. The crowd cheered and roared as they had never before as they watched the chariot explode and King Onimaeus be ripped out of the wreckage by his ankle as he was dragged around the track by his four horses. It's said that when they finally came to a stop, all four horses took turns trampling his mangled corpse (laughs) until his remains truly became indistinguishable from the mud that they had been trampling it into. Wow. Why would you ask me for shells on the previous story when this one ends this way? (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) They married. Pelops became a good... All four horses got married. It's a poly thing. They have a great setup. Uh, Pelops and Hippodamia became... uh, They they were married. And Pelops became a good, generous king and all rejoiced. All that is, except Myrtilus. He came to find out that Pelops had had no knowledge of the agreement between him and Hippodamia, and he dare not ask for the second half of the agreement from the king he just helped usurp the throne. Yeah. We're not sure if he even asked for half the kingdom either, but what we do know is that after a while, Myrtilus lost his fucking shit and attempted to rape Queen Hippodamia. Bro. The guards seized him, and Pelops spared him no mercy. He brought him up to the highest peak and had him thrown into the sea. Yeah. Myrtilus plunged to his death, but not before cursing Pelops and Hippodamia for this betrayal. Hermes, hearing this, ensured that the curse took hold. And indeed, it was this curse that destroyed his family and laid waste to his descendants for generations mostly in the form of every kind of familial betrayal and murder that you can imagine. This curse actually became a major plot device in a number of Greek myths, and it carried on until many, many years later, when Orestes stood before Apollo and Athena in a divine court and was granted absolution by the Furies. Wow. What? Yeah. Why did she promise him all that stuff? I don't know. What? I have no idea. Because women are evil. And then she's women like, are, Fuck women are the root this. of all evil. Like yeah, the- she's like, ha ha! And so I feel like she'd be like flicking her robe like, aside, being like, you don't get this. I mean, he's a dick for trying to rape her, but also like this. How, how was this a good plan? She's just like forgot that she promised him a bunch of stuff. I think she just like oversold it because yeah. she was desperate. Like, oh and then it was I'll like, I'll, do, I'll give you anything. You can have the kingdom. You can fuck me. You can do whatever you want. And then he. Right. Uh, he did and then he's like, he, hi, time to cash in. And she's like, you think I was fucking serious? She like, created absolutely weirdo, not. Get out of here. Yeah. Right. It's like, that's not going to go well. And at the same time. Like, I feel like a curse from Poseidon, I'm pretty much going to be able to tell how that's going to go. Curse from Zeus, pretty much can tell how that's going to be go- you know, be going. Curse from Hermes, I don't want any of that. Because it, no. it might be something so much more terrible than just being smoten. Like, well, it can also, it, it is inherently more flexible. Yeah, oh, I don't yeah. like it that. It is inherently, and and you're talking about the trickster god yeah. of the pantheon. And the psychopomp. Like, I don't, yeah. like, I can't even mm-hmm. get down there without it. Like, Surprise, I don't, I don't know how to get to the underworld anymore. Whoops. I guess you're just going to have to yeah. chill out here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm okay. Wild. <laughs> Wild. 
Okay, so what do we think of our first of all, second version of the story? How many shellfishes does it get? Oh, there's, we're Larry the Lobster. This is five stars. Five, five, okay. five, <laughs> five shells. Yeah, I, I think four and a half to five shells. More shells than the last one for sure. They were both good though. Those were fun. Those are fun stories. Yeah. Um. Okay. So are we ready for our last story? So ready. Yeah, let's do it. Just a heads up. <laughs> We haven't done, like, trigger or content warnings for any of our episodes because, honestly, if you don't know that Greek mythology at the outset has a blanket trigger warning for murder, for incest, for rape, like, I don't really know how to... It's, like, primarily We could put it somewhere, (laughs) I guess, but it's, like, that's a pretty general banner. Yeah. Okay, so I want to tell you about one of ancient Greece's epic heroes who was held in the same high esteem as Achilles or Perseus, but had a very different kind of origin story. He's one of my all-time favorites, but you may have never heard of him. His name is Canius. Hmm. Nope. Canius was Greek. More specifically, he was a Lapith hero of Thessaly. He would father Coronis, king of the Lapiths, and one of the Argonauts. So what's he doing here? Well, our boy Canius was assigned female at birth. Actually, he lived comfortably as a woman named Canis for a good long time, too. But then, one fateful day, Poseidon got a wild hair up his ass and decided to double down on the brotherly business of raping the mortals. So he snatched Canis up, who had happened to just be seaside, you know, like on the beach. (laughs) I would just stay away from the fucking beach. Just don't go to the beach in these stories. Like, it's honestly just danger town. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When it was over... He dropped Canis back off on land and went about his shitty day being shitty. Great. Well, Canis was having absolutely none of this bullshit and decided to call out to Nemesis, the goddess of divine retribution. Nice. That's a a pretty big... That's a (laughs) big card to pull. Yes. Now, as much as Nemesis loves doling out the pain to those who dodge accountability and escape the clutches of justice, you have to understand she's a deeply loyal agent of Zeus. Yeah, I mean, it's not Okay, like, yeah. and it's Poseidon. It's, it's one of the three yeah, big it's guys. it's not like this is just some random person that fucked him over. This Poseidon. is someone in the mailroom going to HR about the CEO. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay, and being like, do something about it. What am I supposed to I can't. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, here's the thing. Zeus not only decides to step in, Zeus calls together the Olympians as a council and publicly condemns Poseidon for his actions. Wow. Can you imagine? This seems like, remember that time? calling the kettle black here. Come on. What? Okay. Well, that, and it kind of seems like, remember that time you, like, lost the boot on my favorite action figure 800 million years ago? Well, yeah, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> get, I'm going to get you back. Yeah, yeah. I told you they were in a grudge match. <laughs> and you can tell this Zeus is what is motivated this, this whole thing. This is like this is like some it's like the person from the mailroom causes the problem but then they call the board of directors meeting and the guy's like I don't know I didn't even want to do this they're like no we're taking this to the top oh no it's going oh, it's to the going supreme down. court yeah. you know it's like oh my god So Vince mm-hmm. if you would do me the pleasure you will be Poseidon and I will be Zeus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so I have to imagine, you know, we're all setting the stage. You've got the 12 Olympians. Everybody's called to the council to sit in judgment upon Poseidon. Brother, we have gathered here today to make a decision around your misled actions. You have committed violence upon the mortals. And as you know, 
That is a rule that none of us ever break. Ever. So this isn't a party where we celebrate how funny your jokes are. That's not what's <laughs> happening right now. I would appreciate it if you would take this seriously, as I know I am. Zeus, when have you ever taken anything serious? Okay, look, here's the thing. The clouds, maybe, but other than that. It's not my fault that you don't know how to handle your own business and that one of your mortals that you decided to toy around with pulled the fire alarm. I don't know what a fire alarm is, but I'm imagining it's going to happen sometime <laughs> in a few thousand years. And this is when the first fire alarm was You know, you know where there aren't any... The fire any... alarm was just taking a rooster and swinging it over your head <laughs> if there's a fire to call people to help. Well, that's the thing. You know there where there aren't any fire alarms. In the sea. So, like, we, we like I came up here mostly as a courtesy If to you. you're going to snatch someone, keep them down there then. Don't let them out free onto the ocean to yell into the sky that they want vengeance. Because someone's going to answer them. I don't know if you've noticed that or not. Yeah, let's ask, I know you're down in the sea all the time. Let's ask Hera how many prayers shouted at the sky are, are answered oh. by random mortals. Hera, are you here? Do you? Is that where we want to go, Zeus? Is that what we're doing? <sighs> Hera, do you, would you like to answer how you feel about vengeance? I don't have nothing to say. Oh. You know mm. how I feel. We'll talk about this after. Well, if no okay. one has anything to say, I'll just be skedaddling back down to my chevaliers. Um, uh, no, that's not what's going to happen. It has been decided by the council, and it has been decreed on the River Sticks that you must make amends with that mortal. I'd like you to make amends, too. I'd like you to make amends. Everyone can make this some amends. This isn't about me. This is not. This is literally. Everything we're is all about seated you, in a semicircle opposing. That's so the convenient. Right it's now. never about you. It's never. No, about it is. Right? He bra- he he bra- he does one trick on our old dad, and now Maybe everyone I'll has to kiss to his fucking ass. Too. What do you think about that? <laughs> oh, Poseidon, would you like Hera to come and stay over for the weekend? Is that what you would want? Um, that's what the fuck I thought. <laughs> you can go ahead. And- <laughs> Why don't you go hang out with Hestia by the fire and cool down for a minute, okay? We were, so one of the dolphins crashed into the garage wall, so we were doing some shell. Oh, right, right, in your gigantic palace? Right, it was a big dolphin. You know know how big it's a big dolphin. So we don't actually, our guest room is actually, uh, Uh yeah. Out of commission. Whatever, whatever, you're all the same. (laughs) Yeah, right. Oh, it's, it's just same. three different fucking flavors same. of asshole. Yeah. It's just three different flavors of asshole. And I know we want to root for Hades, but it's not going to be good same. when we get to his episode. I'm promising you that. Um, okay, so basically, so Poseidon apparently just like walks up out of the ocean, hopefully having some kind of robe on. I don't know, because he's not usually clothed. Um, I guess he has the chariot parked and the hippocampi are like suffocating. I'm not really sure how this works, but um, he walks up and Canis is again walking along the ocean. I personally think she's ready to take somebody on because he walks up and immediately she draws a dagger, spits on the ground and curses the evil God standing before her. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, lady. All right. Just calm down. All right. Um, you have no right to look at me. You have no right to even speak to me. Uh, earth shakes. Um, listen, all right? I don't want to be here in the first place, and I feel like we can have this be a quiet conversation we have, or the rest of whoever the fuck lives over there can have a conversation with us. So let me just read this thing and get yeah. through this thing, and then we can just, you know, <clears throat> pulls out scroll. Um <laughs> 
All right, uh, hereby declare by the Mount Olympus and the River Styx to provide a appreciary boon to Canis. What do you want? What does that mean? I'm going to, I have to like make amends with you or something. So do you want like a, I can give you like a, you know, a seaweed wig or something. Like, what do you want? <laughs> make me a man so I can never be raped again. Oh, uh, so Poseidon just stands there looking at her for a moment, <laughs> lets out a big sigh. And all of a sudden there's a flash of light and Canis is waking up on the ground. Oh, Poseidon is gone, and Canis is now Canius, finding his body totally transformed. So Canius gets up, removes his maiden's robes, and walks naked and full of hope into the world. Years later, Canius was a household name in ancient Greece. He was the hero of the people, performing uncanny feats while remaining wholly undefeated in battle. You see... Poseidon had maybe misinterpreted or wasn't really listening to Canius's request. He made him a man who was entirely impenetrable. Uh. Now, neither sword nor spear, uh. arrow nor javelin could pierce his skin, leaving him unaffected by any foe on the battlefield. And so he went on to lead Greece to many victories over their most lethal enemies. It was truly glorious. At some point, there was a particularly nasty blood feud between his people, the Lapiths, and the Centaurs. Even Chiron himself got involved, attempting to intervene for peace, trying to settle his centaur kin and negotiating with Canius, who himself had spent years under his tutelage. Yet his efforts seemed to be in vain. Over and over, they would go to battle and come away without any clear winner, locked in a lethal stalemate. Yet Canius remained steadfast, confident in his ability to overcome, as he was still undefeated in battle. And then one day, in the midst of a particularly terrible skirmish, Canius was locked in battle with the leader of the centaurs, Latrius. When Latrius thought that it was a great idea to loudly mock him for having not always been a man. Furious, Canius struck him such a blow in the side that he nearly bisected the centaur to the utter horror and chagrin of his comrades who immediately turned and fled. That would be the last they saw of the centaurs, Canius told his men. Later, Canius heard tell of the Caledonian boar wandering an area nearby, so he set out to the rumored location excited to hunt the mythical beast. When he arrived at the spot that had been marked out by the strange traveler who had been boasting at the baths, Canius could immediately tell something was off. He had the hunt in his blood. He bent down to make sense of the odd tracks in the clearing, and just as it became clear to him that they were obscured centaur tracks, there was a thunderous roar and a deafening crash. It was a trap. The centaurs had led him there to be rid of Canius once and for all, and they thought... If they couldn't stab him, impale him, or gut him, they would crush him, him so far into the earth he would descend straight into Tartarus itself. Oh. From the cliffs above the clearing, they rolled dozens of pine tree trunks and boulders out on top of Canius, crushing him. From the Argonautica, quote, They could neither force him to yield nor yet dispatch him, but unbowed and unbroken, he went into the earth down under, crushed by a shattering hail of heavy pine trunks. 
The centaurs waited until long after the dust settled to make sure that he was gone. One of the centaurs had the idea that they should roll away the tree trunks and the rubble and make sure that his mangled body was truly lifeless, proof that they had finally won and their minds could be at ease. And as they labored, digging and digging, they had nearly reached the bottom of the newly created pit when out of the rubble exploded a great golden bird which blinded the centaurs and flew off to the heavens. When they could see again, they rolled away the last tree trunk to find there was nothing left. No body, no blood, no bones, just earth. That's dope. Whoa. Ten seashells! <laughs> yeah, well, she turned into a bird. So wait, he turned himself into a bird? It's said that, that part like of the boon yeah. also made him like semi-divine enough that he would, instead of dying, uh, sort of like transmogrify or transmute wow, into... Wow, awesome. How fucking cool is he? Also, when the I feel like when the centaur is it the centaurs who are making fun of him for being born a woman? It's like yes. also they did not meet him when he was a woman. When he was a woman, no. he was a mother because he, he would have fought them. He was like tough immediately. As fuck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like you think you're scary? You're a centaur. I tried to kill the god of the ocean with a small rusty oh my blade. God, he, like <laughs> in every form, he's like fucking like total badass. It's wild because first of all, it's if you if you didn't catch it. Did, did you notice what tree they used to kill him? Yeah. <laughs> the pine tree, yeah, the which pine is sacred tree. to Poseidon. So it's like an obvious reference yeah, to thought, thought his of sort of origin story in a jab. Um, Centaurs are rude, man. <laughs> and the fact yeah, that he doesn't real. become an aquatic creature further speaks to like He's, his glory was his own and he mm. earned it himself. He's like as far away not, as he can be from Poseidon, too, as a bird. Yeah, and flying out into the heavens to yeah. yeah to to be in some sort of glorious later incarnation or something. The thing is, is that it's also this is sometimes used as the origin story of the phoenix. Yeah, that's mm. what I, I yeah, made me think I of the phoenix, like rising from the ashes, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, that's really cool. That's an awesome one. So, what do we think of Poseidon? What do we think of the stories today? I'm not as against him as Zeus. Yeah, even though like despite it all because it seems like at least like it's really really hard to hit the heights of douchebaggery that Zeus yeah wakes up to because i was gonna say i feel like, like at least it's really hard <laughs> i was gonna say i feel like at least 50 like maybe 40 percent of poseidon's interactions actually just didn't explicitly harm someone uh, like it seems like a lot of his kids actually got taken care of he feels less accountable or something like Zeus just feels so much worse because it feels like he has more responsibility in a way because everyone is around like the other you know the Olympians are all around him and it feels like he's part, he's part of like a bigger does he have family. more responsibility yeah or does he involve himself I was gonna shit? say he's oh, the one sure, that's just like sure. smiling in people's, people's faces business. and like promising shit and so of course we are like you know and he's like I'm the king of the gods blah, 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 blah. whereas I feel like Poseidon is just like don't fuck stay off my fucking water I feel <laughs> like, like Poseidon <laughs> stays in his lane a bit more that's the thing. He I think Poseidon is a lot more likable because he doesn't do as much dick swinging. Right, yeah. and he still obviously he's does not like oh I'm shit, a blah, blah, blah. and even even when you look at the myths, it's not like every time that there's somebody on water, he like pops up he and is like them. pay the tax. Yeah, yeah. Like, he really doesn't. He's usually pretty chill. It's just when he's not, he's really fucking, fucking not chill. Yeah. and everyone's in trouble. You know, regardless of how good you are with him, which I. Um, I think that's super interesting in terms of birth order. I think that's super interesting. And usually, sorry, one more thing. Usually when he's not chill, it's not a slight that 
Zeus would go off about. It's one of his children got mm-hmm. maimed or serious. killed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's like something where he's actually been, and it's not just hubris. It's not just you were impious. Yeah. It wasn't something like that. It's like, no, you literally killed my kid, yeah. and now I'm going to destroy your entire civilization. He's a bit more like, I, reasonable is not the word, but like it makes his reactions make a bit more sense, or they're like a bit more in line with. I think they're more he's relatable. He's still a god, so they're still extreme, but they are more relatable. Like, you understand, like, yeah. at least kind of his reasoning. Zeus is all over the map. I mean, he's just like got a temper problem and is just like entitled and does whatever he wants. It seems like Poseidon does stay in his own lane a bit more and like is more serious, understands what he's supposed to be doing, what his what he wants to be doing. He doesn't just sort of, he's not just getting into drama. He's not I really, mean, he's not a drama queen in the same way. It's just kind of, it's just, I think it's just funny, right? Like, cause like, like, cause Zeus is like the, in, the petulant, like youngest one who gets all the yeah. like benefits. <laughs> like I'm the dad now. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like even like talking about the Mycenaean thing, right? Like of Poseidon having been theoretically the primary king before. Um, and then, you know, Zeus taking over. And what if it's just like, yo, this up here shit is for the birds. Uh, I'm going. I'm going back down there. Like, or do you really think he'd fight for it? No, I don't. I, I think he'd be like. I think similarly okay, to okay. If you really want it that bad, I'm not going to go to war over I it. Think, I'll just go to I don't know the ocean. I think you know, like similarly to a middle child, uh, he would find an option that's like no one's actually talking about this option because you all are too stupid and arguing over that thing that you think is important. So I'm just like, right, all right. Yeah, no, you want it. You got it, big guy. <laughs> Let me just like right, walk. right. Um, and then gets the ocean, which is also full of treasure and like beautiful like sea shit. Um, and, and then actually it, has like a functional yeah. relationship. It's like yeah, but you wanted this guy. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> right. But I think right. it seems like Poseidon really likes where being where he's at. Like it seems like that is his like he's really into his domain. He doesn't yeah. feel like stuck with it. It feels pretty in line. I actually kind of like Poseidon. I mean, I don't like him like him, but like obviously all the big gods are going to be complicated. But like I kind of I get his personality. Like I I feel him. I got a vibe off of him that feels much more like Zeus's vibe is like. But like Poseidon, I wouldn't hate as a person necessarily. Like he's definitely an interesting he's got an interesting personality. I feel like his reactions are interesting. And I feel like even early on my like view of Poseidon hasn't really needed to waver too much like mm. his personality has always seemed kind it's of clear. consistent to me and like even if as i yeah. found out more information about him it just kind of was like oh no that that sounds like Poseidon it was never like really that conflicting whereas like with Zeus it was going through the whole like you're lauded as the shining superman god mm-hmm. and then i find out you're like the lotting, you know, the Superman God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Out of the three of them, and this is not an indictment of Hades, Hades just doesn't have a lot of children. But I kind of feel like out of the three of them, the reason I really like Poseidon at all is he seems to be a really good dad. He is. That's very endearing. And he's like really protective of his children. I guess he has these genuine turns and these caring turns where it feels like Zeus doesn't really ever have that. Zeus is like no. Zeus is like less evil sometimes. Like he's more like a little more reasonable, but he's never like it's never like genuine or caring really. And it seems like Poseidon does have that extreme of it's like like Zeus, Zeus will give Zeus that petty guy who you know is n- never listening. He doesn't listen. Yeah. Zeus will give never. you the give you the fair. Right? Like, that's yeah. pretty much as much Fair. as you're going to get out of Zeus. Yeah. yeah. But Poseidon um, actually is loving. 
Well, we've learned that we actually like Poseidon a bit. <laughs> yeah, I, I would give Poseidon like a solid seven out of ten. Yeah, and he's kind of there. Knocked off because he's a fucking he's, asshole yeah, that he's rapes, a raper, you know. But, but then again, it's also you know like at some point I do have to ask myself: Is it more? Does it say more about the people telling the stories? Sure. Mm. That why do they keep making that, this happen? That like, the like Zeus and Poseidon specifically is like raping everything that moves. Is that more indicative of the storyteller? Because you also look at how like Hera is always characterized as this like shrieking fucking, you know, bitter bitch who's just there to ride her husband's back and won't just let him be great. And it's like, she's the one who's holding the cosmos together (laughs) because her fucking husband is is a fuck shit asshole who is just constantly undermining the security of the fucking universe. So, and for what? Um, okay, cool. Well, <laughs> so everybody, that is our episode for Poseidon. We're so excited that you joined us for it, and we are so excited next week to be bringing you Hades. Let's go. Yes. Yes. Infernal Gang 2021. <laughs> Um, so we also wanted to remind you, as we brought up in our last episode, that you can get involved with our show even more. You can send us an email to, inf- uh, oh my God, I almost said info at catlandbooks.com. <laughs> <laughs> you can send us an email to whengodwasqueer at gmail.com, or you can uh, look us up on Instagram or TikTok at whengodwasqueer and shoot us a DM. Uh, and lastly, you can go to anchor.fm slash when God was queer and you can actually leave us voice messages and any of the really cool ones that we get. We're going to be able to put in future episodes. Um, and we actually have an example of this today. We posted that we were recording this episode and Mrs. Melissa Fortner on Instagram commented with a question about Poseidon. Why are pine trees associated with Poseidon? Pine trees are usually up in the mountains in cold places, away from everything we associate with the sea. Well, I mean, horses, that is a, and, you know, come on. <laughs> yeah. Um, so as we learned today, the most likely hypothesis around that is that pine trees were seen as some of the best trees to use for Boats. boat building because of their abundant resin uh, sap that could be used to seal the boat and make it more watertight. So nice. that, was, that was very good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so thank you for that comment. And we look forward to interacting with y'all much more. You know, we're, we're seeing that the numbers are looking really good for the podcast, but we want to hear from you guys and interact with you. So use any of the methods that I just talked about and we will be able to talk to you in the future. Uh, and until that future, we say to you here from us at When God Was Queer, the- same thing we try to do every <gasps> week. Here we go. Be gay. Do crime. The gods are always watching. Also, wait, does this mean that the the sea pretty much just smelled like a very well taken care of bathroom at all times? Like, think about like the the wood and then like all of the scents that we try and capture and put in things to make our bathroom smell that way. Oh my god. Like pine saw to clean pine, it. Pine, yeah. Right? The sea breeze. So it the smelled salt. like pine saw being used on a bathhouse after a circuit party. But also yeah. it's a stable because there are horses yes. everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like frat boy cleans up it's first party on their own without yeah. mom. 
Yep. And just yeah. douses just everything, down everything in Pine Sol. everything in Pine Jesus Sol. Christ. Oh, that's disgusting. <laughs> All right. Well, with that horrifying, disturbing, <laughs> mind-breaking <laughs> thought, See you next we're time. going to leave you now and talk to you in the next episode. Uh, uh, goodbye. <laughs>